the American view of retirement, a life of leisure, that should never be anyone's goal. Right. Just, oh, I'm just going to completely lay around, watch TV, go play golf, do nothing. Uh, That is actually not healthy. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so that you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We're your hosts, David Thompson and Leo Sabo, and in today's episode of Getting Money Right, we're continuing a multi-part series on investing. And so, so far, we've covered a lot of really cool topics inside of investing. We've talked about just the basics, diversification, stocks, mutual funds, how to look at the fees and know if you're paying too much or you know, you're paying an appropriate amount for the investment that you're in. We've talked about risk tolerance and how your risk tolerance might be different than Leo and I's risk tolerance. And so you need to educate yourself and grow more in the investments that you're passionate about. And then we talked about how the news influences your investing decisions and how important it is to stay on the path when you're investing to follow your personal investment philosophy. We talked about these not only because they impact how we invest, but also because they are influenced by how we feel about the future. And so I think it's important that in this episode, we actually take some time to think about the future, to think about the goals that we're going towards. And if you'll remember, uh, you know, we just said it, the intro tagline to getting money right is to help you achieve financial freedom. And we talk about doing that through education and inspiration. But the real question is, what is financial freedom? What does that actually look like in your life? And Leo, how can we actually define this better? What does that look like for you and I? Yeah, it's not only what financial freedom is, but what the purpose of achieving that financial freedom is. It's good. Which for us is that it frees us up to do more than just have a life of existence. Yes. It's not about going to work and paying the bills, but really living a full life. So let's define this a little bit better by talking about what financial freedom is and what it isn't. Anxiety and worry over money, it negatively impacts our life. Mm -hmm. So that's not financial freedom. Yeah, agreed. So the opposite of financial freedom is when we have consistent worry over money and anxiety over money issues. Now, multiple studies have been done to prove that worrying over money will actually negatively impact you in several areas of your life. Number one is your health, right? There's all kinds of studies that have been done that, that prove that heart disease, heart attacks, gastrointestinal problems, weight gain and weight loss, eating disorders, diabetes, insomnia, even cancer. Wow. The reason for some of these are literally anxiety and worry. And most of us worry over money and have anxiety over money issues. And so especially in America, even though we are a wealthy nation, it is one of the most talked about subject and one of the most pursued issues in life, which is money and possessions. And because of that, when we interpret that as not having enough, we're not living to the standard that maybe others live, and we pursue that, then it becomes uh, something that we cannot satisfy. So it brings anxiety in our lives. It brings worry in our lives. It affects not only our health, but also our productivity. Because when I'm worried about money, it never stops. From the moment I wake up in the morning to the moment that I go to sleep at night, it's on my mind. So when I'm at work for eight, eight and a half, ten hours a day, I'm going to worry about money. And as I worry about money, it's going to impact how I do my work. 
It's going to impact how I think about the tasks that are in front of me. And that may diminish my performance more than likely, and even maybe getting in the way of my promotions, my ability to grow in that job or in that skill set. It also impacts my relationships, right? We know that money fights and money issues are the biggest issue in marriages. It's what makes a lot of marriages actually fall apart, is that they cannot come into an agreement when it comes to money and how that affects their happiness in marriage. And I think it also affects other relationships. So when you think about health, productivity, relationships, this is very central to who we are. And when anxiety and worry over money affects those three things, there's no freedom in that. Yeah, absolutely. None at all. Yeah. And I've actually seen people experience some of the pains that you're talking about here from eating disorders to Mm -hmm. insomnia, uh, to actual physical pain, either in their back or other parts of their body because of the stress that they have felt from financial problems. And it's actually caused them to lose sleep. It's caused them to either not eat or to eat too much because the eating extra is a comforting motion where it's constantly, I need to feel comforted because I'm unhappy with where I am, right. or I'm not going to eat anything at all. And I'm actually going to starve myself and rob my body of the nutrition that it needs mm. um, because I'm punishing myself. I've seen people self punish right. right. over poor management of money. And it's, it's crazy. Um, and, and what's interesting is it, the heart disease, the gastrointestinal problems. Sometimes we don't even realize mm-hmm. the root um, started with a fear around finances mm-hmm. and that began to symptomize either in other patterns of our life. Uh, and then that came out in major health issues and relational issues, even productivity, uh, where people are unable to fully focus. Yep. And I've seen people actually get fired from jobs mm-hmm. because they've been so distracted with other financial things going on in their life, mm-hmm. uh, where they're struggling with dealing with creditors, paying Um, you know, actually pursuing and getting things done that they need to do financially. And they're distracted from their work. And so they're not in the office when they need to be in the office. And the boss is unhappy and they end up being removed from their position just because they didn't have good management in place. And it's, it's very interesting to see how this plays out in people's lives. And so we can definitely agree that if you're experiencing those symptoms, you're not experiencing financial freedom. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting to see how the culture you know, has gone on to describe financial freedom and say, hey, if you're financially free, it means that you've reached this huge dollar number. Right. You've reached this milestone. Mm-hmm. You've, you've hit this uh, ideal target that now you never, ever have to think about money ever again. Right. But that's not how you and I define financial freedom, Leo. Uh, you know, we believe that financial freedom opens you up to pursue the things that you're good at, the mm-hmm. things that you love, the things that you're gifted and called to do. Uh, and it always, mm-hmm. in some way, involves adding value to somebody else's life. That's right. And so this isn't just a milestone number. This is something a little bit more. So how else would you just begin to define our language for financial freedom. When we say, you know, that you're freed up to pursue your true life's purpose, what does that mean to us, Leo? Yeah. Well, it's definitely not a dollar amount. It's not a number. And there are several things that you and I, David, over the years have worked at to try to find definitions for this, because this is something that for us has been a lifelong goal, which is to help people find this freedom. And because it's not based on money, we began to kind of formulate some language that helps us to understand what it is. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways that we define it is that it's freedom from fear around money. Yeah, I like that. There's no fear about money itself, whether there's a lot or a little. 
Fear has no place in that. Yeah. So that's the first thing. Another one is that it's fear from being anxious about money. Yeah. Because we have come to the realization in our own life, when we had money, money didn't satisfy. Right. It didn't bring that lasting happiness we are looking for. So then we have to come back and say, well, if it doesn't provide happiness, then where does money fit? And we talked about this. We actually trained people that money is just a tool that we get to use. Right. But it's not the actual focus. So there's no reason to be anxious about money because money is just a tool that we get to use. Yeah. Right. It's also freedom to live and pursue the things that we are really created to do without the pressure around money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I know that's easier said than done, but as we get through this podcast, we'll we'll talk about how you can achieve financial freedom without having a dollar amount in the bank or a certain lifestyle, because it's really not based on that. Another great way to say it is that you're free from pursuing and desiring money. Mm-hmm. It's no longer the driver in your life. And I think that when money is the driver in your life, that's actually a form of bondage. You're actually chained to actions that will pursue money for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And life is not about money. Life is not about possessions. And so if you are constantly pursuing money, desiring money, thinking that money is going to be your stability in life or Mm. your identity in life then you've got your identity wrapped up in the wrong thing. And that will be a slave master. That'll be a taskmaster your entire life. Well, you'll have to work longer than everyone else. Yes. You'll have to get up earlier than everyone else. You won't be able to spend as much time with your kids or your family because you will be working away, slaving away at the master of money. And so I believe that if, if that is something that's pushing you and that you're pursuing and desiring constantly that freedom, being truly free financially, would actually be the other end of the spectrum, where you're no longer driven by money Mm -hmm. as an object. In fact, you're satisfied with where you are in life. Regardless of where that is. That's really important because everybody's going to be at different levels. Yes. Yes. You're not not looking at somebody else's lifestyle saying, I need to be there in order to be happy. You can be content today. And if you're content today, it doesn't mean you can't earn money. It doesn't mean you can't grow financially. But it means that growing financially and pursuing money isn't your end goal, isn't the the end-all, be-all of your life, right? It's having the flexibility to respond to needs around you. Mm. And when somebody comes to you in trouble or in pain or that needs help with something, and you have the financial margin to step in and help them, that is a form of financial freedom. Uh, you'll see this in the biblical parable that Jesus told about the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan saw somebody on the side of the road, beaten, wounded, mm-hmm. and he picked him up, he bandaged him, he took him to an inn, paid for the inn, paid for the continued medical treatment, and he was only able to do that because he had margin. Yes. That's financial freedom. When you're able to take care of somebody else in a tough spot, mm-hmm. uh, It's again, it's not, oh, I've got a million dollars in the bank. It's the contentment with my lifestyle, the savings that I've got over here on the side to where I can actually step in and serve somebody when the opportunity arises. Uh, And honestly, for me personally, there's a spiritual component to this. Mm, Uh, For me, it's the ability to freely follow God's will for my life. There's a purpose and a calling that I have on my life and things that I know that I was created to go and do. And when I'm not pursuing money and money is no longer a hindrance, to actually fulfill and pursue the things I believe God has called me to do. Now, not everybody is going to see that spiritual component, but I personally have seen that played out 
in in literally at least a thousand individuals' lives. Mm. Uh, I've seen this played out in people that I know personally and tons of people I've counseled over the years. Uh, so maybe the spiritual component doesn't ring true for you, but all of these other components are natural physical elements. Yes. And I just also happen to believe there's a supernatural element as well. Mm-hmm. I agree. I also think that even for those who are not maybe pursuing a spiritual dynamic to this, I will say that even for them, I, I'm going to give you an example of what this looks like in real life. And I think all of us have been exposed to this movie, so nobody's going to miss this analogy. But if you think about the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. George Bailey basically sacrifices his life to run to savings alone. And it allows these people in this town and that was mainly owned by this tyrant. Right, right. It allows them a safe, decent home. It takes them out of the slums. So it creates this economic engine for people that are kind of poor and down and out to have good lives, to have good jobs, and to just have a respectable life, something that they could be proud of. And they weren't extravagant, but they had decent homes that they would never have been able to afford if if he, Mm -hmm. if George hadn't sacrificed his dreams in order to do this. Now, what's interesting is that he had dreams to do other things. He had passions for other things, but he kept forsaking those to stick around and do the right thing. And then at the end, of course, he does what he does, the angel comes and all of that. But at the end, it's the last scene that I think it brings everybody to tears because you see this town rallying together to do something for somebody who had sacrificed so much for them. And I think in that moment, you get a glimpse of what the spiritual is all about. Now, I know it's a movie, but it's so much to real life that it can actually can happen. And I believe that in that moment, what draws us to that moment where you see this, you know, George is sitting there and all these people are coming into the door and then they break out into a song and everybody's throwing money in there. And I think it's such a spiritual thing because it, it really goes to the essence of who we are called to be. We're called to be people who are connected with one another. We help each other and we do something that has a long lasting impact and yeah. it has nothing to do with money. I mean, even even the guy who came to basically say, you're in trouble, I'm going to you know investigate right. this, right. even he gave money. <laughs> so, I mean, everybody gets caught up in this. So I mentioned only to say, that it is a spiritual thing, whether you think it's spiritual or not. It's intrinsic. It's valuable to life that when we really get this understanding that money is just a tool that we get to use to do something that really matters. And if we can break away from this focus of money and get to the focus of what is life really about, then you'll be free to live that purpose and really be fulfilled and be financially free, regardless of how much money you have in the bank or what your financial position is. So the interesting thing about George Bailey in the movie is that he does, he has these dreams and these things that he wants to accomplish, Mm -hmm. but it's at the end of the movie that he realized he's already built a fulfilling life, that he's served people his whole life. And he begins to realize that that the idea uh, of pursuing something else, it wasn't actually who he was, what he was actually doing was his calling. It was his purpose. He had saved people's lives. He'd saved people's homes. He had mm-hmm. impacted people's marriages. And and it was funny because he was thinking, oh, maybe my calling is something else. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the movie, he really realizes that he's called to that town yeah. and that he's called to impact the people there and that there's a blessing on his life from it too. Yeah. So this is why it matters so much that you discover your true life's purpose, your calling, because you can be pursuing something and feeling like you've missed the ball. And the whole time you're actually doing well, you're actually Mm -hmm. doing something that matters, but your mindset may be on the wrong thing. So we're even going to talk about that in our next episode. Now, you know, being financially free 
it doesn't mean that you're never going to interact with money again. No, of course not. It doesn't mean that you never think about money. It doesn't mean that you won't go on to continue to earn more money. Sure. You can have a job while you're financially free. Uh, It doesn't mean that you can't make more money. You may end up, I've seen this over and over again, somebody who's financially free and that they are not pursuing wealth, pursuing money as the primary goal of their life. I've actually seen them end up making more in those seasons of their life because they end up pursuing something that matters, serving more people. And as you serve more people, you can't help but be rewarded financially. Uh, It's almost like little thank you notes. Green dollar bills are thank you notes. Thank Mm -hmm. you for this product. Thank you for your service. So um, it it doesn't mean that you've reached a specific dollar amount. It's not the, hey, I hit the $2 million mark, therefore I can retire and therefore I never have to work again. And now I'm financially free. Uh, It's much easier. Yeah, it also doesn't mean that you don't live on a budget. It doesn't mean that you're you shouldn't be out of debt. It's having savings to stabilize your living environment. All of those practical things that we've been talking about for months are still part of your life. Those don't go away. It's not about not having a realistic perspective on money. It's about not allowing money to become the wrong focus. Because again, financial freedom isn't about money. It's about a state of being, of understanding who you are, what you're called to do, and then using money or using the resources and everything else that you have at your disposal in order to fulfill that purpose that you've been given. Yeah, for Leo and I, this isn't about a specific number, and he and I are not in pursuit of money and achieving a dollar amount in our life. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, we still earn, and we still serve people and are rewarded for that, but I just want you to hear this. Uh, it's not a constant pursuit of our life. We do talk about it. We have a whole show about, you know, having good personal finances and good financial education and getting money right. But getting money right is realizing that it's a tool Mm -hmm. and using that tool to fulfill your true calling. So I would wonder this, Leo, um, do you think it's possible that some people have already achieved financial freedom (laughs) Mm-hmm. but they're not even aware of it because of this mindset shift. Yeah, I definitely think so. And what's interesting is that because of influences, outside influences that have shaped the way we look at money, the way we think about money, it's easy to already be there. In fact, I have counseled many people that from this definition we just gave, they weren't financially free, mm, sure. but from, from a money perspective, a dollar amount, they had more than enough. Interesting. But because their perspective was, I don't have enough, I need to continue to strive, they had a fear of the future. They actually had a fear that at some point, if they don't continue to strive, they're going to run out of money. They're not going to be able to sustain this level of lifestyle, whatever that happened to be. And because of that, they were striving, really unnecessary. And I would say to a degree, even not living a happy and fulfilled life. Yeah. Because again, as you said earlier, the focus was on money. And when you focus on money, money has this ability to, it promises a lot of things that it can never deliver, mm, right? That's good. Because think about it. Money can promise you to have these experiences that are, you know, you can go around the world. You can uh, have leisure. You can have uh, excess. You can have uh, a lifestyle that's, you know, envious by everybody else. But ultimately, those things never really fulfill you. Mm-hmm. What drove me to get on a budget to change the way I think about money was the fact that I actually pursued that the first probably 10 years of my working life. I started working at 16 and at 26 is when I had my kind of awakening 
when I realized, gosh, for 10 years I've been pursuing more money and I got to where I was making from 325 an hour to where I was making over $100,000 a year yeah. in my mid-20s and yet still feeling like I'm not even close to that. <laughs> like I was not making any progress and it frustrated me because yeah. I thought, gosh, I should be happier by now. And right. yet I feel more stress, I feel more anxiety, and I have more relational strife than I ever did. So my point is, the real reason why we we may not realize that financial freedom can be achieved is really our perspective. We have to dig a little deeper and see what's working behind the scene that drives us to do things like overworking, taking huge risks by engaging in get-rich-quick schemes, or falling for investment advice that promises only great returns and no downsides. What's driving that? And I believe what drives that is an unhealthy perspective on money and a huge fear of the future. Yeah, it's fear. And fear is something that is constantly sold in the general financial advice mm -hmm. arena. The number one fear there is running out of money in quote unquote retirement. And this is something that if you sell investments for a living, this is your go-to. Yep. Because the best way to sell somebody is to make them discontent, to make them unhappy, to make them afraid of where they are today, get emotion into the process, right. build a little bit of fear, and they will make changes and they will move things in their life right. to pursue what you're selling them because that sale, that financial advice, that financial product in their mind brings safety back in. Right. But they're not searching for safety until you filled them with fear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so you'll hear this, that people are saving too little for retirement, and you'll hear that over and over again in a financial sales pitch. And the truth is that, that most Americans are not saving, quote-unquote, enough for retirement, mm -hmm. and we do need to take that seriously, but we don't need to let the fear in to run our lives. Uh, we do need to manage better so that we can save today for tomorrow. Yes. Uh, but we need to know that money is not going to be the ultimate security. It's not going to be the ultimate happiness. And if we allow fear to dictate and drive our decisions, then we're constantly going to make decisions that actually end up hurting us in the long run because they're not driven by wisdom. They're not driven by a true pursuit of the things that matter. And honestly, when you think about, oh, am I going to run out of money in retirement? The American view of retirement, a mm. life of leisure, that should never be anyone's goal. Right. Just, oh, I'm just going to completely lay around, watch TV, and go play golf, do nothing. Uh, that is actually not healthy for mm -hmm. people. I mean, right. psychologically, <laughs> yeah. to do nothing, to produce nothing, to serve nothing in this world to other people is unhealthy, uh, but it's a cultural mindset in yeah, America. It definitely is. And if you think about it, this is the first generation. The baby boomers are the first generation that had a government-guaranteed retirement plan set aside. And then there was a target date at 65, at 67. You get to retire, and now the government's going to give you a pension so you no longer have to work. That never happened before. Americans never had a retirement prior to the Social Security yeah. coming into... I don't into know of anybody in the world. I mean, maybe there's some other economic government system, but in general, mm -hmm. there's nobody who's relied on the government prior to 200 years ago, right. you know, 100 years ago, 55 years ago. Right, exactly. Know? It's literally in the 1900s when it, when it came about. Right. When it came about, it is now in multiple countries, but they're usually primary economies like America and, of course, the UK and some of the European nations. 
but really understand that it is a mindset that everyone retires at an age, at 65. And that was never part of our thinking before. And the desire to retire early even is now taking a much, much bigger part of the scene. Not only do you retire at 65, but if you can beat that, then get rich quicker, get at 55. Or, you know, we talked about the FIRE movement, right? Financially independent, retire early. About people retiring in literally in their 20s and 30s. And again, nothing wrong with the idea of retirement, but the retirement, the way we think about it in America, is this leisure activity where we stop working and then we just have a leisure lifestyle, which means we we entertain and we are entertained for the rest of our lives. And that mm-hmm. could be 20, 30 years. And the fear is that if we don't put enough money aside to live that kind of lifestyle where leisure and travel and, you know, just fun to right. be able to do whatever you want to do and not be limited by not having enough money is not possible. When that's not possible or, or when we fear that it's not possible, that's where the fear and anxiety comes in. Because we think we're not, we're going to run out of money in retirement. When in reality, realize that the goal that we set is really not something that, first of all, we should even consider. Because the idea of retiring and doing nothing hmm. is not, as David said, is not good for you physically. It's not good for you emotionally or mentally. So the idea of retiring should be something that we should consider in a different light, which is that as we think about a time when we no longer have to work for a paycheck, that's when we should be free to really do much more, to really pursue that goal of fulfilling the purpose that we're really called to do and really using those giftings and those those talents and skills and experience that we've gained all this life. Um, because then we'll have the ability and we'll have less uh, less work to do and more time to really invest without worrying about how much money will I make if I do this. Right. I think that's the benefit of retirement. Now, I have a friend who retired at the age of 49. And the interesting thing is that he is not the kind of guy that likes to just sit around. Now, he takes nice vacations and he enjoys those. But his life is probably about 80 to 90% of it is really focused on helping other people and really doing something that matters. So he retires at 49, but then I don't even think he took any time off. I think he just got right into then consulting for the same company that he was working for. And he was working with business owners and helping them to increase their business and, and improve their uh, both their lives, but also their businesses. And then recently he started a business with his daughter. Now, I'm going to tell you that he probably is working more today than, <laughs> yeah. than when he was working and running a full-time business but he's having fun and he's doing something that matters, that's helping people. And I love that about him. And, and I have several friends that have retired that way, but are doing something else. They're not sitting at home watching you know, Netflix all day long. They're also not on the golf course every day. Nothing wrong with those things, but a leisure lifestyle, entertaining 100% of the time is damaging. Look at the young people that are running into a ton of money and they have party after party after party. What happens? They usually end up in the news with some kind of drug charges or (laughs) somebody gets hurt. So my point is we were never designed for that. So we need to redefine the way we think about retirement because the fear that we have about not being able to reach that goal and have enough to last for the rest of our lives is not a good – it's an unrealistic fear and it's an unrealistic goal. Mm -hmm. And if we can redefine it, we'll find – more contentment in how we are today and where we're going to be in the future, regardless of how much money we have. Because here's the thing, just because you're 65 doesn't mean you can't do anything. Mm -hmm. In fact, I would say that the older you get, the more experience you have, the better you're going to be 
at whatever you're gifted to do. Mm-hmm. You've got mm-hmm. all this training, all this time that you've invested in becoming better at it. You'll step into a room and give the answer to a younger people or younger generation that hasn't dealt with the stuff you've dealt with. Right. So you can add so much value to that. So the idea of retiring and doing nothing is foolish, but the idea of retiring so that you can be more purposeful about the things that you're really gifted to do, that is exciting to me. And I think that's what we should be pursuing, regardless of how much money we actually have in the bank. Yeah, our current view of retirement in America, it's more of a cultural construct. And we know that the Social Security program was created in 1935 uh, here in the U.S., but the oldest one that I could find, and there may be other examples in history, but the oldest real full-on old age and invalidity pensions that were created go back to the 1800s, 1889 in Mm. Germany. And there are some health insurance programs in 1883, but really the 1880s. This is less than 200 years old, this right. concept. And and I don't think it's necessarily a bad concept that there is something in place to help people. I think the way it's set up, I think the way the tax system is done is not the way I would have set it up. That's not the point here. The point is that if we let that then dictate our life, that's the problem. That's we the problem. shouldn't let a, a government pension fund, uh, a predetermined retirement date by a cultural or society say, okay, this is how I'm going to run my life. Uh, it should be a completely different 180 from that to say, I know I'm important. I know I have value. I know I have things that I can produce in this world to serve people. And it would be absolutely crazy if I didn't find a way to serve someone else and not just outside of my family, literally to serve my family, Mm -hmm. uh, to take care of my home, but then to go outside of my home and serve others, uh, to be looking for ways. If you don't use your body, it's going to slow down and wear out. If you don't, (laughs) if you don't engage in meaningful work, your spirit will give out and you're just going to fall apart. People end up dying much sooner than they would otherwise. And I know Leo, that this is something that, you know, has driven some of the decisions that we've made in our lives, both of us, to set aside jobs that paid even more money, but instead pursue the calling and purpose that we felt was put on our lives Mm -hmm. to serve people specifically in the area of personal finance and good biblical stewardship uh, to help others. And so we've actually picked up jobs that allow us to serve people in the calling that we have, even though they pay a little bit less money, because money is no longer the driver. We are financially free, Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not because we hit this huge number but it's because we found that contentment. We began to remove debt from our lives. We lived on a written plan. We had that basis of margin. And when somebody comes with a need or a concern, we have the ability to go and help and serve. And to me, we're financially free because of that. Right. I 100% agree. And I just want to share a proverb. This was, I believe, written by Solomon. And it's Proverbs 11.25. And it says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. That's and so that's good. really something that that really speaks to everyone, because when you think about it, if you're a generous person, and that may mean that you're generous with your time, you're generous with your abilities, and you can add value, as we talked in this episode, that you add value to someone else. And as you do that, you yourself will be refreshed, not only through the fulfillment that you're making a difference in somebody else's life, which is monumental. I mean, to me, the greatest joy that I get is when I can help someone in some way. Yeah. Literally, it, it's a joy that's unexplainable to me because it's something that's deep. It's out inside of me. And I think all of us have felt that when we've done something for someone else and we've seen that impact that, that that's had in a person's life. But then the other thing is that I believe that there's a, another aspect of it, which is that we get refreshed also 
from a practical sense. Yeah. You know, like you said, sometimes the thank yous come from just a thank you because that's all people can do. Sure. But many times people appreciate what you do because of what you have, the skill you have, the abilities you have, and they're willing to pay you. And to them, it's like, I am so grateful for you. This yep. is this yep. is nothing. I'm willing to pay you more. But if this is all you want, that's fine. But my point is, we have purpose. And in yeah. that purpose, we're always going to be cared for. Financially, we're going to have enough. If we're willing to work, if we're willing to do go outside of just serving ourselves and mm -hmm. being greedy and selfish with our time and our resources, I believe this scripture will be true. This proverb will be true yeah. for all of us. That when we are a generous person, we'll prosper, but we'll also be refreshed mm -hmm. as we refresh others. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Well, thanks, Leo. I, I, I love that scripture. I love that, that, that truth. Mm -hmm. When you refresh someone else, you'll be refreshed. And I think it would be appropriate um, before we go into the next episode, the next episode, we're going to talk about your actual purpose, your actual calling, how to determine your strengths, your mm -hmm. talents, your gifts, uh, what your passion points are. But before we go there, I think it's good that we give people an episode to be refreshed mm -hmm. by sending some fresh refreshing our way. Wow, that's a lot of words. <laughs> send us a like, send yeah. us a, a comment on social media, give us a five star. Uh, we actually want to thank you. Something that's been very refreshing for Leo and I mm -hmm. is that we got to 150 yeah. five star <laughs> reviews so on Apple Podcasts. That's yep. huge. That's yeah, Leo huge. texted me as soon as it came across, 150 five-star reviews. Now, that's just on Apple iTunes yep. podcast. Mm -hmm. um, I have seen on other platforms, they don't do the same rating system, but I have seen tons of people engaging on Spotify. Mm -hmm. I've seen people engaging on CastBox, on Stitcher, on Google Play. Uh, I know that you've seen a bunch of people directly downloading episodes from yep. your website yep. or listening directly from the website. So we have literally in the last 60 days, uh, we have stats and have been tracking thousands mm -hmm. of downloads yes. in the last 60 days. That's a very, uh, very exciting. Yes. And <laughs> 150 five-star reviews on just one platform. Now, that means that on the other platforms, there are hearts and comments and likes and other things that are a little bit harder to track than that five-star review. Mm -hmm. But we just want to say thank you. It was refreshing yeah. for us. Uh, if you want to continue to be a blessing to us as we serve you and we serve the people around you in finances, please share this. Yes. Um, it, we, Leo and I, our whole heart is dedicated to helping people in their finances and, and in other areas as well, but specifically in financial stewardship. And so, so take the content that we're curating and take it and share it with somebody. Mm -hmm. Give it away to somebody. Let them know that it's free and let them know that they can benefit as well. And so like us, follow, uh, send us a message on social media. Check out leosabo.com and go download one of his free resources. Download one of the free tools. There's a bunch of really neat content on there. Uh, you can come over to stewardshippastors.com and see some good biblical principles for handling money. If you mm -hmm. attend a church, check out the church training tools that are yeah. on the resource page, and you can help your congregation teach people how to manage well. And mm -hmm. that'll be a blessing for generations inside of that church. You can use a lot of this content inside of a civic center. Even if it's not a religious organization, you can still use the tools. You can still use the ideas. You can still use the heart. And and one of the just world-renowned people that everyone knows of is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Mm -hmm. And he has tons and tons that have been written of the things that he has said while he was on this earth. Mm -hmm. And I've taken... 
the over 800 verses from things that he said and pulled out everywhere where he talks about money. And I called the book Jesus on Money because it's everything that he said about money. Why don't you check it out? What, whether you're a Christian or not, there is good wisdom yes. and truth in this book. Mm-hmm. So you can pre-order the book today on stewardshippastors.com. Come check it out there. Well, we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money, money right. right. valuable to life that when we really get this understanding that money is just a tool that we get to use to do something that really matters and we can break away from this focus of money and get to the focus of what is life really about then you'll be free to live that purpose.